Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special warm welcome to the guests or visitors joining us on this fourth Sunday in Advent. And you might be wondering, well, Pastor, it's the 24th of December. Yes, it is. About every six, seven years or so, we have this overlap where it is the 24th of December, but it's still Advent in the morning, only to switch to Christmas Eve throughout the day. And historically, this would have been... um, recognized as something called Christmas Vigil, which there are actually set aside readings and sort of rules within the church for how to observe that, but it comes up so infrequently uh, that we do Advent 4 in the morning, and then we'll do Christmas Eve later on this day. So as we look to uh, what we have here in the bulletin, if you flip to the back of it, we're continuing to walk through the memory work that our children are engaged in as they learn Luther's small catechism in midweek school throughout the school year. And today we have before us the second petition of the Lord's Prayer. So I'll then ask you what that is, and we'll continue through our uh, study of the catechism on Sunday mornings. What is the second petition? Thy kingdom come. What does this mean? The kingdom of God certainly comes by itself without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may come to us also. How does God's kingdom come? God's kingdom comes when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit, so that by His grace we believe His Holy Word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. And now if you'll turn to the inside of the back cover of your bulletin, we have the summary of our readings for this fourth Sunday in Advent. The coming of God and all his unveiled power at Mount Sinai was terrifying to the people of Israel. The thundering voice of the Lord put sinners in fear of death. God, therefore, raised up a prophet like Moses, the Messiah, the Christ. God came to his people veiled in human flesh. The skies poured down the righteous one from heaven. The earth opened her womb and brought forth salvation, as we hear in the introit, through the blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord. The fruit of her womb is the very Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the one whose sandal strap John was not worthy to loose. In John, or in Jesus, forgive me, uh, we are delivered from fear and anxiety. In him alone, we have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. We have that great joy of receiving the peace of God which surpasses all understanding as he himself comes to us in and under bread and wine in the sacrament of the altar to feed us with his true body and true blood for the forgiveness of sins and the strengthening of faith. And according to his word and testament, he bids us come together in unity in receiving that sacrament, not just in what we confess about the sacrament itself, but in all that we confess as Christians. Therefore, in accord with his word, we ask that all those joining us at the Lord's altar this day be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, joining in that one common confession of the Orthodox Christian faith. Our service this day is Divine Service Setting 3. As it begins on page 184, we now sing the first hymn. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come, and help us by your might, that the sins which weigh us down may be quickly lifted by your grace and mercy. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the fourth Sunday in Advent is from Deuteronomy chapter 18. 
The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again will I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John confessed. He did not deny. He confessed. He was not the Christ. He was the voice. The voice is not Christ, but he does speak for Christ. He won't deny that. He will not back away from that. His words are God's words. So when he confesses that he is not the Christ, he is by no means denying that what he says is truth. He knows he speaks that truth that is from God. He is the voice of God. John did not claim any special status for himself, but he most certainly did claim divine authority for what he said. John himself is no big deal. He isn't worthy to tie or untie Jesus' shoes. He claims nothing for himself. He's not Elijah. He's not the prophet spoken of in our Old Testament reading. He's nobody special. But you had better listen to what he says. He says, make straight the way of the Lord. He says what God, through the prophet Isaiah, gave him to say. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. 
Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The Lord God of Israel is the God who in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. He is the God who made us in his own image. He is the God who called Abraham out of the land of Ur and promised that in him all nations of the earth would be blessed. He is the God who appeared to Moses at the burning bush and then delivered Israel from bondage in Egypt and gave to them the Ten Commandments. He is the God who sent the prophets and spoke through them. He is the God who sent Gabriel to tell Elizabeth that she would give birth to John and who told Mary that she would give birth to Jesus. He is the only God who has ever existed. And now, here is John preparing the way for this God. And he preaches, make straight the way of the Lord. He is preparing the way for Jesus. Jesus is the Lord God of Israel, as we have been examining throughout Advent. The God who spoke by the prophets, appeared to his people, and has now made his appearance among us. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now John is but a voice. He calls no one to follow himself. He directs everyone who hears his voice to Jesus. But if this is so, why does he baptize? Clearly, baptism entails some kind of allegiance to someone, right? There's no such thing as a generic baptism. Baptism always has a brand name, so to speak. But who is John? What brand is he? Not the Christ, not Elijah, not the prophet, just a voice. Why then do you baptize? What kind of baptism is it? Well, there were many kinds of ceremonial washings among the Jews in John's day. They were not sacraments. They had no divine command or promise. They were human customs. They did not give the forgiveness of sins. They were merely symbolic ritual washing. But John's was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as the Gospel of St. Mark and St. Luke tell us. Put into our familiar Lutheran theological language, John's baptism was a means of grace. In other words, it was a means by which God gave his grace to sinners who needed it. And not only was John's baptism a means of grace, it was for everyone. He baptized lifelong believers, not just Gentile proselytes who were converting to the faith, John's baptism was for everyone because everyone needed to repent and receive the forgiveness of sins. This was the only way to meet the Lord God who was coming. The voice of one crying in the wilderness teaches us that we're all in the same boat. We're all in this together. We have all the same needs. We need to prepare for the coming of God in the flesh. God came in the flesh on Christmas. This God in the flesh came 30 years later preaching the gospel of the kingdom. This God in the flesh comes to us today in the sacrament of the altar. Where we, and we prepare to receive him in the words from the proper preface for Advent. Whose way John the Baptist prepared, proclaiming him the Messiah, the very Lamb of God, and calling sinners to repentance that they might escape from the wrath to be revealed when he comes again in glory. Dear Saints, I've been a Christian nearly all my life. I was baptized at a very young age. I've gone to church nearly every Sunday of my life. My father's a Christian. His father was a Christian. To the best of my knowledge, so is his father before him. 
They were all baptized. They all partook of Christ's body and blood and Holy Communion. They all confessed the gospel as it is taught in the Holy Scriptures and faithfully confessed in Luther's small catechism. Thanks be to God, I've been a Christian all my life. And I do not know of a time in my life that I didn't know Christ Jesus was my Savior from sin. And that I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, for the sake of Christ alone. And yet still, it is to me that the voice calls out, make straight the way of the Lord. And it is to you also. Many of you are from multi-generational Lutheran families. Others are first-generation Lutherans. Regardless, the voice calls out to you all the same. Make straight the way of the Lord. It is a universal call. And it is a constant call. And the call will continue to be cried out until Christ Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead. All of us need to repent. And we need to repent each and every day of our lives. You see, there is a popular but false view of repentance and of grace that has taken hold throughout large portions of American Christianity, and we happen to live in one of those hotbeds. It is an error of which we should be warned. So, I'm going to warn you about it today. Now, this error is twofold. First, it denies that holy baptism is a means of grace that provides us with the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And second... It falsely teaches that once someone has repented of his sins and comes to trust in Jesus as his Savior by the power of the Spirit, that he cannot be lost, that he cannot fall away. That false doctrine, that is, false teaching, holds to the following slogan, once saved, always saved. You see, by denying that holy baptism is a means of grace by which the Holy Spirit seals to us the forgiveness of sins, those who are caught up in this error replace the Holy Spirit with the flesh. They replace holy baptism with the decision of the believer, as if our decision had more power and validity than God's washing. Instead of Jesus coming to us in holy baptism and the Lord's Supper and the preaching of the gospel, they have us coming to Jesus and making him the Lord of our lives by means of our sincere decision of faith. Once we've made the decision of faith, it's a done deal and we cannot fall away. They say, choose Jesus as your Savior, invite him into your heart, and then you will ever after have the assurance of eternal life. The security of eternity will be yours. Well, the students who attended Higher Things this past summer will know what I mean when I say balagna. That is theological baloney. Those who believe this error should listen to the voice of John crying in the wilderness. When he said, make straight the way of the Lord, he was not talking about a one-time decision we make. He wasn't saying that we enable the Lord to come to us by making his way straight, as if he cannot come to us without our help. Is Jesus somehow helpless without us? No, dear saints. It is the other way around entirely. Without him, we are helpless. Or as he has said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen to John. Repentance is not a one-time thing. Repentance is lifelong. Baptism is a one-time thing. God baptizes us once, and once is enough. John's preparatory baptism was replaced by Jesus' baptism, and we who have been baptized by the authority of Christ in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit do not need to be baptized more than once. 
This baptism is Christ graciously coming to us each and every day of our lives. But there has always been only one way to receive the grace of God in Christ, and that is through faith. And faith is born in repentance. You see, repentance doesn't bring us to Jesus. He comes of his own free will. Repentance is being found by Jesus. Listen to the words of the wonderful Advent hymn by Paul Gerhardt, teaching us about our power and Christ's coming. Now, this is actually from a couple of stanzas we don't have in our hymnal. They appear in the Lutheran hymnal, TLH, but they don't appear in Lutheran service book. Why? I don't know, because listen to this. It's beautiful. You need not toil or languish, nor ponder day and night, how in the midst of anguish you draw him by your, your might. He comes, he comes all willing, moved by his love alone, your woes and troubles stilling, for all to him are known. We don't make Jesus our Savior by drawing him to us. In the Gospel of John, he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus comes to us because he loves us. He comes to sinners, and he comes to forgive. If you won't be a sinner, well, then you can't know Jesus. Only sinners need a Savior, and only sinners can be saved from their sins. Only sinners who know they are sinners and mourn over their sins and want them forgiven will have anything to do with him who came in the flesh and who comes in his holy means of grace, even as he does on this very day to you, dear saints. Make straight the way of the Lord. Confess your sins to God. Have you disobeyed God by disobeying those whom he has set over you to honor and obey? Have you broken promises that you have given? Have you been lazy? Have you hurt anyone by what you said or did? Have you taken what you have no right to take? Have you neglected to do what you were given to do? Have you lied? Have you despised God's word and his holy sacraments? Have you taken God's name in vain? Have you broken your marital vows? Have you served yourself when God told you to serve those with whom you work and with whom you live. Dear saints, confess your sins to God. Don't hold on to them with stubborn insistence that you can do what you want to do. Doing what you wanted to do is what got you caught up in your sins in the first place. You may be a Christian, but you are still a sinner. God doesn't call on sinners to complain about how hard life is for them. He calls on them to repent. So confess. Lay your burden of sin before the throne of God's grace. And also, beloved in the Lord, take God's word to heart. He forgives you all your sins for Jesus' sake. Your faith doesn't trust in your decision for Jesus. It trusts in his decision for you. He decided to take upon himself your body and blood. He received your human nature from his mother Mary, but he was preserved from the taint and stain of original sin. Throughout his life of obedience and self-sacrificing love, he avoided all sin of thought, word, and deed. All sin. He lived the only sinless life ever lived, and he lived it for you. He lived your life. On the cross, the Lord God become flesh. The man with shoes that no mere man can be worthy to untie. He took upon himself the shame of our sin, and he faced it willingly in order to wash it away. And he has. 
And now he comes to us and gives us the treasures he purchased for us by his holy life and death. He chooses us as his own in holy baptism. In his supper, he gives us to eat and to drink of the very same body and blood by which he procured our liberty and our eternal salvation. And every time we hear the voice of his gospel, we hear him. He is not ashamed to claim us, not ashamed to claim you. He remains Emmanuel, God with us forever. Sin's debt, that fearful burden, let not your souls distress. Your guilt the Lord will pardon and cover by his grace. He comes for men procuring the peace of sin forgiven, for all God's sons securing their heritage in heaven. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the church, preparing to celebrate the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, that remembering John the forerunner's preaching of the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, we too may die to sin and rise to new life. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all pastors who, like John the Baptist, cry out with the word of truth in the wilderness of this fallen world, that they would be preserved in their labors, and that God would send workers into his vineyard and bring forth a bountiful harvest. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all calling congregations and pastors contemplating divine calls, that the Lord of the church would grant discernment, wisdom, and patient faith to both preachers and their hearers, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the schools of the church, that our young people may be taught to delight and treasure the word of God above all riches, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our republic and its need, that abandoning all anxiety, we would instead, by prayer and thanksgiving, make our requests known to God. For the authorities, that God would give wisdom, health, and success to those who govern us, and for peace in our time, even as we rest confident in the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who live under the cross, especially Pat Taney, Norma Horine, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, for the hopeless, that God would give them patience and hope, and for the sick in body, mind, or spirit, that God would heal them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the dying, that he would draw near, hold them in the arms of his love, and defend them against the final assaults of the evil one, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who receive Christ's holy body and precious blood today, that they may eat and drink it in repentance and faith and in the unity of a true confession and for a love and desire for the blessed sacrament this Christmas. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O God, you make us glad with the yearly remembrance of the birth of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that as we joyfully receive him as our Redeemer, we may with sure confidence behold him when he comes to be our judge. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. God be praised. That's actually one of my favorite Advent hymns. Get it right here at the end when we're on the cusp of our Christmas celebration. 
Well, I'll turn your attention to the bulletin and the announcements that we have therein this morning. Of course, Sunday School and Bible Study today. Uh, adults in adult Bible study, we're actually going to be studying the gospel appointed for Christmas vigil, which is Matthew's Christmas account. So we'll study that a little more closely this day. Also, please note this evening, you'll come back, everything will be white. We will be in full uh, Christmas mode as we begin to celebrate the incarnation and birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, with our Christmas Eve um, evening prayer service with children's program or catechetical instruction at uh, 5.45 p.m. And then uh, tomorrow, Monday, uh, the Nativity of Our Lord, we'll have our Christmas Divine Service at 9 a.m. with Holy Communion. And then I'll go ahead and tell you now, uh, normally I don't include next Sunday in the announcements, but this is important, that next Sunday, so the first Sunday after Christmas, we'll have a 9 o'clock matins as it is the fifth Sunday of the month. And then that evening, we'll have a New Year's Eve service. Uh, we'll install our officers in the morning. Uh, that's next Sunday. And then we'll have a New Year's Eve service that evening. So that is a little bit of a departure from our normal way of things. That's just with how the month fell. We've got five Sundays this month. 31st is next Sunday, so please note that, uh, that change there. Also, a special thank you to the Trinity Women's Guild and all the volunteers who made this year's Advent meals and also the Choir Concert Fellowship uh, such a beautiful success. We thank you for your faithful service and Christian love. Uh, you glorify your Heavenly Father in that way. Also, please note the Esther Committee is still updating its call list. If you uh, want to help out, please give Monica a call at the number listed there. And we do continue to have uh, information out on the glass case for Concordia Music Conservatory. They're going to have new things starting up in January. So if you're interested, get the information now. Give them a call and uh, make those uh, commitments as you will. Well, we've heard the last of John until we get to the baptism of Jesus. And even then, it's not about John. It's about Jesus as it always is and should be. Uh, we go in that piece of knowing that... Um, through the preaching of God's word, our hearts and minds have been prepared to receive the Christ, and this evening we will celebrate his birth. God's peace be with you. I'll greet you at the door.